0: One question in particular seems really critical to address. Do you think that the person who earns more doesn't need to do as much in the household, or do you think that the person who works more hours doesn't need to do as much in the household? Welcome back to Evolving, the podcast designed to help you strive, thrive, and optimize. This week, I'm back with a solo cast episode talking about gender roles, specifically as it relates to Kate Mangino's new book, Equal Partners, Improving Gender Equality at Home. We've all heard it before, the idea that men and women are inherently better suited to certain types of tasks. But Mangino argues that this belief is largely the result of social conditioning, not biology. And the consequences are far-reaching, not only for women, but for men as well. She alludes to something called the sixty-five thirty-five principle, which states that, on average, 65% of the cognitive and physical labor of a household is performed by women or someone assuming a female role. And while the tasks of men tend to be more outdoor and intermittent, the tasks of women tend to be more indoor and routine. That also means that the work of women tends to be more critical. If you miss a day of mowing the lawn no one's gonna notice, but if you miss a day of feeding the kids or the pets, someone is bound to take notice. This unequal division of labor means that men have more time to pursue hobbies, extracurricular activities, and career advancement compared to women. And while physical tasks are relatively straightforward, like taking care of the laundry, washing the dishes, mowing the lawn, cognitive labor is significantly harder to pinpoint. Cognitive labor consists of planning and anticipating needs making sure that you leave in time to pick up the kids from school, planning for grocery shopping so that dinner gets made on time. It's all the little project management tasks that go into running a household. And because this type of labor is largely invisible, it tends to go unnoticed. Women might perform cognitive labor while they're taking a shower, on their way to work, lying awake at night. Mangino even has a name for a household's resident project manager, the noticer. And the noticer doesn't just ensure the smooth functioning of a household, making sure the pets are groomed, making sure the kids are fed, making sure everything is clean. The noticer also performs a lot of small little tasks that just make the home more of a hearth. That could be things like decorating the mantel place, buying holiday decorations, writing cards to loved ones on special occasions. It's all the little things that make a home more warm and inviting. Noticing tends to be a female encoded task because girls are typically raised to prioritize social bonds, whereas boys are typically raised to be utilitarian and figure out how to solve problems. As a result, A non-noticer might regard the work of a noticer as extraneous or unnecessary. So then you have one party who is expending a lot of effort in order to make the home really nice, and another party that basically thinks that this labor is not necessary and perhaps even a waste of time mangino recommends that noticers scale back on the effort that they put into household tasks especially when it comes to perfectionist tendencies if something is good enough don't waste that additional time and energy on making it perfect At the same time, non-noticers could try to be more appreciative of the work of a noticer. Mangino defines an equal partnership as an equitable division of the physical and cognitive labor of a household. She argues that more equitable benefits aren't just better for women. They also benefit men by allowing them to feel more supported and engaged with their families and larger communities. So how do couples actually accomplish an equal partnership? Mangino says that reaching a compromise about your shared standards is a good place to start. Decide ahead of time how many days a week you would like to eat dinner at home, and then plan for ways to make that happen. Managing expectations is a great first step towards a more equal partnership. But the idea that women need to lower their standards and men need to raise theirs is a gross oversimplification of the reality. A lot of the time other social forces like maternal gatekeeping might also be involved in preventing men from taking a more active role in caregiving. Maternal gatekeeping is the phenomenon whereby a mother might try to control all aspects of her children's life in order to not be judged by society. Gatekeeping often stems from deeply internalized beliefs that a woman's value lies in how smoothly she's able to operate her household and take care of her family. Women might therefore reject help from parents, grandparents, or even their partners in order to avoid judgment from a society that might deem her incompetent at handling her business by herself. And if a woman tells her partner often enough to back off, eventually he will oblige, thinking that she's the mom, she knows best, I'll just provide and help when she needs me. And this sort of behavior kind of perpetuates that helper-manager dynamic that often comes about as a result of this distribution of caretaking. As you might expect, same-sex couples are far more likely to model gender parity compared to different sex couples. And this could be because LGBTQIA communities grapple with gender identity in a way that heterosexual people often take for granted. During her research for her book, Mangino interviewed 40 men who modeled gender parity in their households. These men came from all different walks of life. They had different socioeconomic backgrounds, different ethnicities, levels of education, and they even came from really diverse households. Five were in same-sex relationships, while 35 were in different sex relationships. Despite their unifying thread of modeling gender parity, there was no other single thread that seemed to tie all of these men together. Originally, Mangina was a little disheartened by that, but then she saw the positives of it. If these 40 men had nothing in particular in common, that meant that anyone was capable of achieving gender parity. If she had to pick one key takeaway, Mangina would say communication. Now, at face value, that sounds like a bit of a throwaway, but is referring to a very specific type of communication. Communication surrounding gender and values. This involves questions like, what kind of household did you grow up in? Is that relationship something that you want to emulate? Having this discussion allows you to craft your own ideas around gender parity. Mangino even offers a list of 10 questions for people who are just starting out in a relationship. How comfortable are you telling your partner when you've completed an invisible task? How important do you think it is to say thank you in regards to housework? But one question in particular seems really critical to address. Do you think that the person who earns more doesn't need to do as much in the household? Or do you think that the person who works more hours, doesn't need to do as much in the household. Mangino points out that there is no one right answer to this question, and the right answer is basically whatever you and your partner agree on. The wage gap for women makes this issue a particularly pressing one, since adhering to traditional gender norms typically harms women's chances for economic advancement. Sticking to traditional gender roles means that a woman would continue to perform more household labor, preventing her from accomplishing more professionally, thus cementing her status as the lower wage earner. For couples who have already been together for a long time, bringing up these issues can be really unsettling. Mangino recommends focusing on gender norms and societal expectations rather than individual behaviors. This way, you're not assigning blame to either party, but acknowledging that you're both survivors of an inherently unequal society. Second, bringing up these discussions can be a little less intimidating when accompanied by another major life event, like changing jobs, moving homes, or getting a pet. Mangino recommends using that changing landscape to also change your partnership dynamic. You can use the change of a life event to also help you transition into different expectations for gender roles. In a nutshell, Mangino's work suggests that anyone can model gender parity in a household if this is something they desire. Mangino is careful to acknowledge that this might not be something that every couple desires. If maintaining the status quo is working for you, She says, go ahead, keep doing what you're doing. But if you're feeling that the unequal division of labor is causing rifts, then perhaps it might be time to reevaluate some things. Either way, whatever is right for you and your partnership depends on your specific dynamics. What do you think? Do you agree with Mangino that gender roles are largely the result of social conditioning? Have you taken any steps to ensure a more equal partnership in your home? I'd love to hear about your personal experiences. Until next time, thanks for listening. You can find the show notes for this and all other episodes at the Substack URL linked in the show description. You can also review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Castbox, or Podchaser. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time.